What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. But today really does begin the journey of legacy here at Convo Church, and uh, and I can't wait to see what God's going to do. And that's that's the beauty of this type of thing, is that we don't always know how things are going to shake out. We just continue to say, all right, let's see what happens when we go all in with what God is asking us to do, and see what God does with what we put in his hand. Amen? And uh, he wants to do it with your life. He wants to do it with everything that he blesses us with as well to go beyond ourselves. So this is the portion of our worship experience where we open up the Bible and we, we try to hear what God would like to tell us. We don't need to tell God what we want, what we think, what, uh, what it means to us. We want to hear what God is speaking to us, and he does that through his word. He confirms it through his Holy Spirit, and uh, that's what we're doing today. So if you have a physical Bible or if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, do me a favor. Let's go to uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 3. Gospel of Luke chapter 3. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you kind of a warning before we go into this passage of Scripture because I can guarantee you that you've probably never heard this particular passage of Scripture chosen to be preached on a Sunday before, and there's a reason for it. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit comical, but at the same time, I think that God's going to show us something really special in these verses. We're going to chapter 3 of the Gospel of Luke, uh, one of the, in, right at the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke is uh, the third book of the New Testament. We're going to go to verse 21. I should probably go there too. I'm talking. I need to go there. Luke chapter 3, verse 21. <clears throat> hey, Pastor Amy, you hit, God must be speaking, because you hit some stuff that's in line with what we're going to be saying today, especially talking about comparison. That's going to be that's gonna be really good. So we are, what did I say, verse 21? Okay, so um, the title for today's message, by the way, we're, we're like I said, the last couple of weeks, we started a, a newer series called The Church. We're going to be pausing that for a second, going through the book of Acts. We'll come back to that when we get through the legacy season. Uh, but right now, we're going to take this season uh, to, to talk about legacy, what that means for us as a church, preparing for 21 days of prayer and fasting, which, by the way, is something everybody can and should do. That's not for spiritual people. That's just for people who are like, all right, let's do this. And uh, we're all going to be on the journey together. We're all going to have successes, and we're all going to maybe not have failures, but, you know, have those moments like, oh, messed up. No, it's okay. We're we're in this together, 21 days, praying together, fasting together. It's going to be absolutely powerful. And uh, so today's message title, if you're taking notes, it's called It's in the Genes. Not not with the J-E-A-N-S. G-E-N-E-S. It's in the Genes. And, uh, and somebody, everywhere I go, um, I'm, I'm a little bit tall, and so people, one of their first questions is, how tall are your parents? And uh, Which is a legitimate question, because things do get passed down through the genes, right? And, uh, and so, you know, I'm like, well, my dad, you know, at one point was 6'4". Uh, gravity has taken his hold, and, uh, and I think he's a little bit less than 6'4 now. You know, my mom is 5'9", so I guess, you know, kind of there's some tall genes there. But, but when it comes to legacy, I want you to understand that it's in your genes, it's something that is in there, and it's not in there because it was passed to you from, from your father or grandfather or mother or grandmother. It's in there because the genes of God exist inside of you, and that's what we're going to tap into today. So, so we're going to read this passage. Now, I'm going 
I'm actually, well, nah, I don't want to, I want to spoil it. Verse 21, this is, um, and it's important to see how this starts, even with the fact that next week we have baptisms. You'll see this in just a second. It says, one day when the crowds uh, were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And we always say it all the time, you should get baptized because none, if for no other reason, Jesus was baptized and we want to follow his example. It's much more than that. And as, as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my, dear, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. And Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Notice how it was after his public baptism that God opened up his public ministry. Sometimes for those who struggle, I'm not ready, I don't want to get baptized, I don't know, it's embarrassing, it's in front of people, I don't know if I understand it all yet, and we wonder why there are certain elements of our walk with the Lord that get held up, and it's because the first step after you say yes to Jesus should be going public with your faith in Jesus. So let me, let me pastor you in that, okay? So that's, it's not one of those things where I'll go through all the classes and when I'm ready, I just wanna knock those walls down for you and encourage you. It's not about readiness, it's about obedience and faith. And so I just wanna encourage you. Next week we're, get, we're doing baptism, so get signed up for it, take that step. And uh, we've even had some people, they got baptized when they were young because their parents thought it was really cute and, and that's not what baptism is. The baptism is a choice that you understand that you're making to go public with your faith. So if you got dunked once and it meant nothing to you, go for the double dunk and we'll make sure it counts this time. You know, you, know, it, you don't have to. That's not, that's not even a scripture. You don't have to. You can always just, you know, adopt that it, what it meant. But at the same time, if you need the double dunk, we're not going to hold that back. So here's where it gets fun, okay? So y'all can, y'all can follow along because what we're going to do is we're going to look at the genealogy of Christ and we're going to look at the legacy of that actually actually goes in reverse here. I love how Luke does it. He starts with Jesus and goes in reverse. Now, this is gonna be slightly fun and slightly comical to read through, and we'll see if I have the attention span to read through the whole thing, but y'all can follow along. I think we even, yeah, we even got it up on there. So Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. The reason why he was known as the son of Joseph was because he was not the biological son of Joseph. He was the, uh, he was, uh, uh, Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. If you've never heard that before, uh, then you've missed Christmas and some songs that we sing around that time. But that is, that's, Jesus was not the product of physical human passion. He was the seed of, of God. He was God made flesh. But he was known as the son of Joseph because that's how people knew him growing up before it was truly revealed who he was. So it's even connecting a divine gene to someone who wasn't even biologically connected to that gene. I love that. Joseph was the son of Heli. You know what? I'm just going to read the first names. I already don't have the attention span for it. So here's, this is the, these are the generations that go from Jesus all the way back to the beginning. We have Heli, then we have uh, Mathat. These are great names. Levi. Some of y'all, if you haven't had kids, these are some options for you to consider in the future. Melchi, uh, Janai, Joseph, Mattathias, Amos, Nahum, Elsie, Nagai. I like that one. Math. Math, really? Maybe it's Mayath. I don't know. We'll give him that. He's the inventor of math. Uh, Mattathias, that was a popular one. Semin, Josic, Joda, not Yoda. Joannan, Resa, Zerubbabel. There, that's, that one's not taken. Shealtiel, Neri, Melki, Adai, Kosam, Elmadam. Here we go. There's, there's a lot more. But we're going to do this. I'm gonna, I can do it. I know I can. Um, where was I? Ur, Joshua. And some, 
pay attention if you recognize any of these names. Just kind of, just let it pay attention in your mind. Eleazar, Joram, Methat, Levi, Simeon, Judah, Joseph, Jonam, Eliakim, uh, Melia, Mena, Mattatha, that's a good one, Nathan, David, Jesse, Obed, Boaz, uh, Salmon, Nashon, Aminadab, Admin, uh, the, the inventor of administration, Arnai, Hezron, Perez, Judah, Jacob, I, um, Isaac, Abraham, Terah, Nahor, Sarug, Ru, Peleg, Eber, Shelah, Canaan, okay, Arphaxad. We're gonna, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. I'm sorry if I butchered your name. I apologize. <clears throat> Shem, Noah, Lamech, Methuselah, Enoch, Jared, Mahalalel, I like that one, Kenan, Enosh, Seth, and lastly, Adam was the son of God. So there's a, there's a genealogy, a heritage, a legacy, if you will, within the genes of Christ. And, it's, I, and I love the fact that the Holy Spirit chose, even though Jesus was not the product of human passion and human plan, he was the product of the plan of the Father, that he still chose to reveal Christ through the legacy of humanity. So let me, let me pray for us, and let's, let's dive into this a little bit more. Jesus, we, we just ask that, that right now in these moments, Lord, that you would open up our hearts. God, we, we, uh, we're here because we want to grow. We're here because we're hungry for you. Father, I pray, yes, just like, man, being able to watch those kids sitting on the front row and worshiping you this morning. Father, I pray that that same childlike spirit would come alive in every single one of us. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, if you will, that you would break off even the, the spirit of human maturity that keeps us from being innocent before you. And Father, today I pray that your word would come alive and that you would help us to know that we are connected to the legacy of what you are doing in this world. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So again, as we said, today is, uh, you know, heart for the house is, is, is now legacy, as we explained in the video. And today is the beginning of that legacy season. So over the course of the next month, we're gonna have some, uh, some special people come in that are near and dear to, to this house as well. Uh, we're gonna have Melissa Holland. She's actually gonna be here next week, the president and co-founder of Awaken. And we're gonna get to sit down and talk with her about what's going on with Awaken, the role that Convo has played, and the, and the things that they have ahead of them that are the crazy, seemingly untangible dreams uh, that they have, that God is speaking to them for that organization that we can be a part of. Uh, we're gonna have, uh, as well, Wendy Cross, who's the president of Ex-Hope Uganda, who's gonna be with us and have that same sit-down conversation. And just, we're, we're going to dive in as a church uh, to what is possible when we decide that we are going to be sacrificial, generous parts of the legacy of God through us. We're gonna have some other people that we'll bring in through this season. Uh, but also, Convo is your house. Like, this is your home. And, and we know that you care about seeing your house grow and seeing your home thrive. And so you're also going to hear about plans that we have for the church moving forward and what God is speaking to us and how he's challenging us. Um, a strong home means that what we are giving ourselves to can be strong. Um, I don't know if you, really, you know, think about this, but if, if the home isn't strong, then it will diminish what the home can accomplish outside the home. Does that make sense? So we will get into that through this season as well. But, but here's the most important thing. 
Um, this is not just going to be a season of, of trying to like cheer and raw everybody to give generously. I, I don't think that works. I don't like that method. I want you to understand that this is a season of growth for you. And for our church, this is an opportunity for us to experience some of the most significant spiritual growth in our life that we will, that we will even be able to be a part of in this year. And I love the fact that we do it in the fall because, you know, sometimes we think of fall as like the end of a thriving season. All the leaves are falling off. But actually, that is the beginning of new life that is going to come because the old has to go before it can make room for the new to come through. And so in the same concept, in that same spirit, we're stepping into this legacy season. But I want you to understand that this is how, this is how I hope you grow in this season. At the very least, maybe you have other things that you're believing for in your own life. But your growth in season like these 100% depends on your willingness to lean into that season. Sometimes we think that Christianity is like an osmosis thing. Like if I take my Bible and I put it under my pillow at nighttime and I sleep on it, that it will just infuse it will infuse into my brain, and I'll become more spiritual. And, uh, and that, that's no more true than just going to church will make you a better Christian. Or me going and hanging out at, at, uh, at a body shop will make me a, a better person at working on my car or a mechanic. That's just because I showed up means nothing. Now, if I show up and I'm leaning in and I'm taking notes and I'm asking questions and I'm going back and studying and rereading and listening to and learning and leaning into that environment, yeah, I'm going to learn something. I'm going to grow. I'm going to be transformed. So, so let me pastor you in that moment, if you will allow me. Let church not be something that you do because you're doing God a favor or because you need a spiritual pick-me-up once every four to six weeks, but let it be something that you challenge yourself to lean into faithfully and consistently with the word of God in your hand, with taking notes in your journal or your, or your notes app because you are hungry to know who Jesus is. And through knowing who Jesus is, you come alive in knowing who you are. Like that's so important. And so in this season, you're gonna get out of it what you put into this, how you lean into it. But here are some things that I believe that if you will lean into it, God's gonna do in your life. Number one, you're gonna be more secure in understanding the identity and the nature of God. And I'm telling you, when you know who God is, things come alive. Things change. Like the way that you see the world changes, the way that you see scripture, it comes alive for you. The way you see this type of community completely begins to change even the priorities that you make. You'll understand God's heart of generosity, and that, that is connected to even knowing the identity of God. Because if he is anything, he is a generous God. One of the most famous verses that most people know around the world is John 3.16. And so God, for God so loved the world that he, he gave. And I'm so glad that God didn't throw me like a $20 bill, say, hey, this, this, this will help you out. No, he gave his son. Like he, he's like, what is the most valuable, biggest, most generous thing I can do? I'm gonna give my son so that all humanity can be forgiven and redeemed and brought back into relationship with the Father. You'll grow in knowing God's heart for you to be his conduit of generosity. I want to I tag you into the game. I want to I tag you in and let you know that you, you qualify to be a part of what God's doing. It's not a comparison game, and I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get to that in a second. You'll, you'll grow in knowing the significance of your role in God's generosity. You have a role to play, and it is a role that is unique to you, not to somebody else, not to anybody else's standard, but to what God is trying to do and strengthen and challenge through you. You'll grow in realizing the legacy that you are a part of and the legacy that God is building through you for your family and into his kingdom. 
And also, and this is the last one, this is a big one too, you'll be discipled in stewardship as a Jesus follower. That's so big. Like when we grow, this is all a process of discipleship. Discipleship means that you are learning more and more how to be like Jesus and how to follow Jesus with your life. And so church is not the only place where you should be discipled because we all have the ability in some way, shape, or form to open up the word, to dive in, to find a leader that we can kind of come under and say, hey, will you help me? Will you mentor me? Will you disciple me? Things that the church offers, small groups. But I'm telling you, if you lean into what we do on Sunday, it's going to give you something that you can grow with. So hopefully we'll continue to do that. Nothing's going to get you closer to the heart of God like generosity and sacrifice because that's how God operates. And the more we learn how to operate in the same way that God operates, I'm telling you, the world will begin to see what the world has been desiring to see in the church. Something that they can look to as a model, as a hope, as an encouragement, something that is going to bring life where there is no life and light where there has been darkness. So I, I truly believe this season has the opportunity to be one of the most life-changing seasons that, that you've experienced. And then honestly, as a church, that we have experience, but we got we to lean into it. We got to give ourselves to build God's kingdom and, and take the word of God uh, at, 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 at its meaning, at its heart. When Jesus says in Matthew 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God, if you take care of God's kingdom, he's going to take care of yours. You never have to worry about that. I've heard it said, you know, growing up in a little bit different way, like, you know, if you put God first, he'll never put you second. And I can tell you, I've experienced that in my own life. I've, I've, I've never been let down by God when I have sacrificially put myself in a position to put first what he was trying to do. My family has never suffered. My marriage has never suffered. Our, life's, our lives have never suffered because we said yes to what God has asked us to do. Has it been challenging? Yeah. Has there been moments where it was really, really hard? Yes, absolutely. And it will continue to be that way. But never suffered. God has taken care of things. And even when the moments where I wasn't sure if he was going to come through or if I was going to make it in time for him to come through, we're still standing. And God is still faithful. So let's talk about uh, a legacy here for a second. You know, all, all of this is possible with that leaning in attitude. And maybe recently you went through Engage. We talk about that within the culture of who we are as a church. The part of our, we lean in. We lean into these moments. We lean into the environment because we don't show up to do somebody else a favor. And we also don't show up because we have it all figured out. We show up because we know that we're hungry for more of God in our life. Romans 10, 17, it tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So we're going to, through when we're challenged with the truth that comes from God, that truth is always going to challenge a predisposed idea inside of us, a preconceived idea of what something is or what something isn't. Truth always confronts a lie. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the, the polar opposites. Truth never comes into an empty void. Truth always comes in to confront something that is taking a place where truth belongs to be. And so one of the challenges we face in our culture right now is that we have completely let go of truth and then redefined truth. And so now there are lies that are the definition of what truth should be, and people are living in such confusion that they don't know which way is up and which way is down. And instead of us going back to the source and the root of what truth is in God's word that he has made so clear to us, we've embraced this culture and this ideology that says, well, we're all jacked up and confused, so your truth can be your truth and my truth can be my truth, and we'll just we'll figure it out. Everything's going to be okay. Why can't we just be nice to each other? Well, it's because we're confused and upside down and we've forgotten what truth is. And so truth doesn't, isn't here to damage people. Truth is here to create a foundation for life. 
And when truth becomes the source and the foundation of our life, we can build on those things. And that will be a foundation that will never be disrupted. But when our foundation, Jesus says, and when our foundation is on things that are unstable, then the first time that the winds blow and the, rain, and the rains come down, man, what we have built is going to crumble. And I think we're, we're getting there in a lot of places where there's a lot of crumbling happening and about to happen. And it's time for the church has to stand up and say, we have to, we have to reestablish Jesus as the foundation of our truth. And then from there, God will allow us to be able to build. But we have to, we have to put our faith in that. If we're, if we're putting our faith in anything, it better be something that's going to be secure. And so our faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, the gospel of Jesus, the truth of God's word. And so that builds faith for us to believe that what we have experienced before doesn't have to continue to be our limited reality, but we can begin to build on the expectation of what God is speaking to us in our own life. James, uh, and, and so we got faith, right? Faith is important. But James tells us in James 2.18, hey, that's great that you talk about your faith, but basically your faith is worthless if it's not connected to action. James had some strong words when he was talking about this. Some kind of mic drop in your face moments. He's like, great, talk about your faith, talk about your Christian walk, talk about Jesus all you want. But I'll believe it when I see it and how you walk it out. I think that's what the world is challenging us today. Like, great, you're a Christian. You check the box on your taxes, Christian slash other, fantastic. I'm glad, oh, you know, the percentage of our nation that identifies as Christian. I'm tired of, I'm tired of identifying as Christian. I want to be identified by others as Christian. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want people to see Jesus in you. Let them be the ones who identify who is inside of you. You know, that's where, that's where the church actually first got the name Christian. It wasn't because the apostles had a meeting. They're like, guys, it's growing, and we really need to brand ourselves. What should we call ourselves, guys? I don't know. Um, um, I, you know, Jesus followers. It's a little long. Can we, can, uh, like a little, little Christ. What's it? Christian which that's what actually means Christian. No, it was, the, it was in Antioch, modern-day Turkey. It was the unbelievers who saw who they were, how they lived, what they were teaching, and what they were doing, and they said, those are like little Jesus, little Christ. They're Christians. And so what if we were able to return to a reality where the world was telling us who we are and they were actually accurate? Right now, the world is trying to tell us who we are, and they don't have a clue. Why? Because we're giving them confusing signals. It's time for us to get tapped back in to the legacy and allow our actions, our deeds, our works to be a reflection of the faith that we have in, in the Jesus of the Bible. Can I get a much bigger amen for that statement right there? Okay, thank you so much. Now let's talk about legacy. Legacy is what we give ourselves to that builds God's kingdom beyond ourselves. Legacy will build your marriage Legacy will build your children, your future, your ministry, but it goes beyond yourself. That's one of the biggest things we have to understand about the legacy of God in and through us, is it's not just about ourselves. What you experience will honestly be the byproduct of what God is doing beyond you. Because when you, when you lean into the legacy of God, it's going to build your church. It's going to build other churches. It's going to build other marriages. It's going to build other children. It's going to build other ministries. It's going to build people around the world coming to know Jesus. All because you said yes. Your legacy will expand from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And if you remember the other week, we actually talked about that. That doesn't mean that you have to get on an airplane and go to Jerusalem, and then from there it will expand. No, it's talking about understanding that Jerusalem, when they heard that, Jesus was talking to his disciples, they understood that as home, where they lived, their life, their family. 
And for them, it started there. And it, it, was, it was both personal and it was geographic. So for us, it's the same context because that's what Jesus meant to them. So for us, it needs to be both personal and it needs to be geographic. You need to understand what God is calling you to do in your home. But you also need to understand where God has placed you. And this is your Jerusalem. It starts here. Convo Church, it starts here. And then as we are faithful with the legacy of what God is doing here, it will go beyond us. And we are, and we are actually starting to already see that happen in so many different ways. But it's just, it's just the beginning. So from October uh, 25th to November 14th, that's going to be our window of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, we're going to put some more information out there for you guys. That, like maybe you've never done it before. And, and I'll tell you, fasting is not easy. It is probably, no, not probably, it's not, it definitely is the, the most challenging discipline within Scripture. And, and I'll say, I don't like fasting. There, I said it. It's out there. It's, I can't take it back now. But I love the fruit of fasting. I love it because God always speaks. God always challenges. God always does something. He always brings clarity. He always answers prayers that come through those seasons of prayer and fasting. So, so I'll be the first one to tell you that that's a discipline for me I want to be better at. And you can't get better at something if you don't practice something. So I don't care if you fast for 21 days and every other day you mess up with your fasting, that's okay. Get back on the horse. We're in it together. It's going to be okay, but we'll help everybody with that. Um, so the pro- here, here's the challenge when we go into a season like this. And this what Pastor Amy was saying before, this is where things kind of connect with what God's speaking today. The problem that many of us start to face in seasons like this is the battle of comparison. We compare ourselves by others and we disqualify ourselves before we even have a chance to see God use us for great things. And I'll tell you, comparison happens in two ways. Either you look at somebody else and you say, I can never do what they do. Or comparison comes from an arrogant point of view that says, man, they should try to do what I'm doing. And so both of those take your eyes off of the focus of being, keeping your eyes on Jesus. And it begins to be about what you have or what you don't have. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, and, uh, in the New King James Version, it says it lovely. It says it this way. It says, but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Listen, legacy is never going to be about equal giving. It's always going to be about equal sacrifice. I love how Jesus pulled out, pointed out this, this widow who all the other religious leaders were bringing in their bags of gold and their worship and their giving. And Jesus points out this, this widow who gave what was called a mite or would have been a fraction of a penny in value. But he said, man, she gave more than they all did. And the disciples, who were usually a little slow on the uptake, uh, said, how is that possible, didn't you see what they give, what they gave, and you saw what she gave, like, yeah, but what they gave, they gave as the extra of what they already had. It didn't hurt them. They didn't feel that. But what she gave, that was literally everything. And so it's never going to be about equal giving, but it's always going to be about equal sacrifice. When we give ourselves, no matter what the category is, to the legacy of God, it has to be something that you feel. Because if it's not, then it won't be something that connects to your heart. Whenever my wife and I come into this season, we always pray and we ask God, what do you want us to do? And if we are not terrified by what God speaks to us, then we know that we haven't heard from the Lord. Because for us, it's going to be a moment where we say, okay, I don't know how this is possible. We've got this and this that has to happen. We, this, I don't, I don't, this isn't doable. Usually at that point, that's when we're like, that must be what God's asking us to do sacrificially. and He's going to help us figure it out as we go. 
But legacy is always going to be taking something from you that you feel and putting it into something that's going to be bigger than you. Comparison is a destiny killer. Instead of allowing God to use what's in our hand, we kill our legacy before we even get started because we compare what's in somebody else's hand. And we got to keep ourselves from doing that. We got to understand Moses, when God called Moses, he didn't say, Moses, you've, you've had plenty of training in your upbringing um, in the Egyptian system. Your education's flawless. You were trained in battle, all these other things. You know, Moses was very insecure, and he's like, God, I, I can't do what you're asking me to do. I don't know how to do it. And, and God's like, well, what's in your hand? Moses had a stick. He had a staff. He's like, perfect. That's all I need. Throw that stick down. Boom, turn into a snake. That would have been it for me, by the way. I would be like, oh, game over. Wrong guy especially when he told him to reach down and pick it back up. again. It's like, I don't think so. Not going to bear grills the situation. Um, but God knows what's in your hand. And what's in your hand is always more than enough to accomplish what he's calling you to do every single time. So, so when we look at this passage, in the next couple of minutes, just to wrap this up, when we look at Luke chapter 3, all those names, all those crazy, how many of you have ever legitimately read through that passage and read all the names before, not including this morning? Today doesn't count. So, yeah, a couple of y'all have, and that's great. Most of us, now, can I give you another confession real quick? Um, I have, but if I'm doing like a reading plan, you know, kind of reading through, and I get to that part, I'm like, yada, yada. Okay, and Jesus, boom, go to the next verse. And I'll be, I've been guilty of that, especially if you're in like Leviticus or Numbers and somebody begat so and so, begat, begat. I'm like, begat, what's going on here? All these names. I'm like, all right, they did a great job, boom, let's move on with the meat of the word. And sometimes we can skip over these things, but I'm telling you that there is so much value in just the reading of these names. Now check this out. There are 77 generations from the father creating Adam to the father sending Jesus. And that is significant. Let me tell you why. 77 is associated with perfection. Jesus came as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of all humanity. Seven is the number of God. Each seven represents a part of the Trinity of God. So you have seven from the Father. You have seven Jesus, and that's that seven, seven, 77. And guess what came right after Jesus ascended back to heaven? The Holy Spirit. There's the completion of what God is doing. Now the Father, <clears throat> the Father uh, to the Son, seven, seven. Y'all get it, all right? I have to keep repeating that. I'm not saying go home and let that be the meditation of the day, but I think that's kind of cool how God does some of those things sometimes. Um, on, on kind of on the flip side, y'all know the, the number for the devil is 666. And uh, something that when I see that number, I know some people are like, oh, I'm like, why? It's just for me, I look at it, I'm like, yeah, he came up short three times. <laughs> he failed three times. Because if I do my math correctly, six minus, it doesn't equate, it's not equal and so whenever I see that, it actually makes me laugh. Maybe that can encourage somebody here. People talk, the mark of the beast, 666, is going to be tattooed on your forehead. Every time I see that number, it doesn't scare me at all. It actually kind of makes me chuckle a little bit because I look at it and I'm like, yeah, you just keep coming up short. All you're ever going to be is a fake imitation of the real thing. So let's be victorious in the 777 of God, the perfect completion of who he is doing and who he is, instead of putting so much attention in the insignificant numbers that are coming up short of who God is. Amen. So, so this is what I wonder. When I read through all those names, now how many of you heard some of the names? You're like, yeah, I never heard that before. I don't even know who, you know, Mayath, Math, never, you know, poor guy. What a horrible name. Um, and, but then you see like, you know, Abraham. You're like, yeah, okay, I've heard that. Joshua, Jacob. Uh, yeah, I've heard that. Adam, yeah, I heard Adam. He was kind of an important one. He kind of started everything out here. You see some of those names. And so for me, I wonder, I wonder if 
if the people, because all these people were written down, some of them were thousands of years before this was ever written down. And I wonder if they even had a clue that their life was going to be a part of the, the genealogy of the Messiah. I, I wonder, and I would venture to say that most of them had no clue whatsoever. The vast majority of them had no clue. Now, now this is what I do wonder. How come we know some of those names and some of them we don't know? And, and this is where I'm going to say this is my thoughts. This is not something that Scripture breaks down for us, but I think it's a valid thought. The names that we do know are names of people that we know by faith said yes with intentionality to what God was calling them to do. And for some people, they just lived a life and they passed the seed on to the next generation. They didn't even know. And I, and I wonder if that's possible, if that's possibly happening in the church today. God is looking for people who are going to be intentional about saying yes, leaning into the legacy of God, of what God could do through you, and not just living life and hoping that God's a part of it, and, and hope, hopefully you prayed the right prayer so that at the end of the day, when this life is over, you at least get into heaven. A lot of people live that way, and I'm telling you, you're missing out on everything. You don't have to have some, some preacher calling to matter for God. Your life was identified before you were even conceived. God knew you before you were born. He knew your name. He gave you an assignment. He gave you a calling. He gave you a purpose before you even scientifically came together to create a human life. And so that tells me that there is something intentional about who you are. Be present where God has placed you, in the season of time where God has placed you, even in the geographic area where God has placed you, in the family that you have. Be intentional about that. And I get it. Some of us have some natural genealogies that maybe we want to forget. I get that. That's the reality of the world in which we live. It's real. And some of us have some things from that have been passed down to us, whether it's been physical traits or even if it's been uh, curses that have been connected to, to former generations that you've had to struggle through yourself. We're like, I don't, want, I don't want to be a part of that genealogy. And here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing that, that, that it's impossible physically for humanity to actually produce, uh, to produce Jesus. God had to get involved with that miraculously. But here's what is cool is that God uses the genealogy of humanity to lead a path that would present Jesus. And Jesus became the one who was to redeem all humanity. So that means that we get to build a legacy, not just through our own physical DNA, but also through the DNA of God. It's in our genes. Come on, it's in, it's in your genes. You need to stop discounting yourself. And I feel like maybe some of the names on that list, maybe they knew about it. Maybe they knew that there was a, a, a genealogy. Maybe they, knew, they understood that, that Abraham was their great-grandfather or King David or, or some of these other prophets, Nahum, Amos, some of these other guys that showed up. They're like, yeah, I know they're in the genealogy or some prophetic words, but, you know, it's, I probably have nothing to do with it. I'm not, I'm not like so-and-so. I'm not like Abraham. I'm not like King David. I don't, I don't have what those guys have. Matthew even has a genealogy that he talks about as well and includes some people that, that nobody would ever include. And especially at that time, they included females in the genealogy. That was a big deal then. And some of them were people that shouldn't have been included because it was morally reprehensible to even mention. Rahab, poor girl, she's probably lovely. She's up in heaven. She's celebrating. But everybody just remembers her as a prostitute, poor thing. But she's mentioned in Matthew's uh, layout of the genealogy of Christ. I think there's a reason why. Mary, well, Mother Mary was not. There's a different one, right? There's, Mary was a common name. 
But the, but the mother of Christ, the fact that she was, in, in natural sense, pregnant outside of wedlock, like law actually said that she could have been stoned to death. And Joseph had every right to walk away from that whole situation. So we got to understand, like, you can't discount yourself for who you are regardless of your past, regardless of where you came from, regardless of what your last name is, regardless of how much money is in your bank account, regardless of what the situation was with your, your parents and your grandparents or, or, or anything, split families, blended families, broken families, addiction, all these type of things. Those do not define you. If anything, they become the blocks that Jesus uses once he redeems your life to build something strong that the enemy meant to destroy. So we've got to begin to build ourselves not in the legacy of humanity, but we have to begin to build what God is doing through us for his legacy because it doesn't matter where you came from. When you lean into what God is doing in you, what God wants to do through you, what he has called you to be, the purpose that exists for your life, I'm telling you, something's going to come alive that it begins to explode the purpose through you for other people. It's got to be about other people because the moment that we just make it about ourselves, God bless me, take care of me, do this for me, that we miss the purpose. God says, give yourself for somebody else. Give yourself for something bigger than yourself. Give yourself for my kingdom and I'll take care of yours. Moses, come on up. Let's land this plane. So the question I think that we have to begin to think about today is what is the part that you're going to say yes to in building God's legacy through you and in this house and through this house? I just hit myself in the head. That's great. What part are you going to play? And, and for those of you that have been here for a while, maybe this is maybe you've maybe you were here when we did it for the first time two years ago and. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, I'm really excited to even talk about like numbers. Like, hey, this is this is what this is what our church gave last year. This is what Heart for the House last year was able to accomplish. I'm pretty pumped about that, and and to be able to say now we can begin to dream because we're actually going to put a number on this year. We've never done that before. We're going to set a goal this year, and uh, and it's a goal that I'm not even going to tell you yet because it's not time. I'm a little bit terrified, but I will tell you this, and this is just just how God talks to me. If that's okay. I was praying into this and, and with, uh, with my wife, and we've talked with our, our pastoral team about it, and, and I just felt like God told me, he's like, it's time, it's time to put on your big boy pants. <laughs> That's how God talks to me, okay, it's weird. He's like, it's time, it's time, and I'm like, I kind of felt like we did, okay. He's like, no, it, it's time to put on your big boy pants and believe for what I can do through, through this church. So I'm like, all right, and then he began to communicate and, and put some numbers on my heart. So we'll talk about that, we'll get there. And when I do share it, I, I hope it, I hope, I hope it kind of makes you roll your eyes. I hope it makes you a little bit terrified. I hope it makes you question how you could even be significant in making that happen. I hope it challenges the fiber of, of what you see in yourself. Because I think when we get to that point, that's when it gives God the opportunity to say, it's okay, watch what I can do through your yes. Watch what I can do through what maybe other people have discounted. Maybe other people have told you that you're not gonna amount to anything. Maybe people have spoken that into your life. You're never going to succeed. Just do your best to just do your best. Maybe you had a terrible guidance counselor in school. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you just a quick funny thing? I, that, the guidance counselor thing is true. I was in high school, and I remember they do, you know, they take those tests, and it's not even the ones that matter. They're like, we just want to see what you might be good at. <laughs> and mine came, my top one, and, and if there's anyone who's in this category, this is not an insult whatsoever, but for me, I'm like, at that age, Maybe you could have spoken some life into me. 
And, it, and one of the top things that came back was working as a, as a uh, waste management uh, worker. And, and yeah, and I'm like, and I'm like, well, you know, when, you know, when you're 16 years old, you know, your dreams go, what you think are a little bit higher than that. Later you figure out that people make good money and have good pensions. And you don't know that when you're 16. And, uh, and, so, and, and even then, like just at that age, I don't care what people spoke into your life in different parts of your seasons of life, trying to hold you back saying, well, looking at your scores, this is probably the best you have to work with in life. So good luck with that. It's real, it's real. Everybody at some point has had somebody tell them what you're not. And I think it's time for us to really reject the lies of the enemy because you have to deal with those. You can't just be like, all right, I'm just not gonna listen to that. No, you have to call it out. You have to call it, be like, I'm not a loser. I'm not gonna be addicted for the rest of my life. I'm not gonna be like my parents were. I'm not gonna be like my grandparents were. I'm not gonna be what people have spoken into me. I do have value. My life does matter. And you begin to replace it with the truth of God. Begin to tell yourself. Get yourself in a room, close the door, and talk out loud to yourself. Start getting real. But you have to call out what the enemy has planted in you and replace it with what God says about you. Because if you don't, you're always gonna battle. You're always gonna wrestle. You're always gonna have those moments of victory. And then when you go back to it, because you haven't dealt with the lies of the enemy, you just sink right back into that comfort space. We gotta deal with it. You are significant. You know why I know that? Because God doesn't make mistakes. And if he knew you before you were born, he knew the circumstances you would be born into. He knew everything that you would face. He knew, your, he knew what you would succeed in. He knew what you would fail at. He knew what your struggles would be. And I know there's a tension in trying to wrap our mind around the sovereignty of God and knowing everything versus the free will of man. I get that there's a tension there, and that's okay, but you need to understand this, is that nothing from your past defines who you will be moving forward. Scripture tells us that anybody who is in Christ is a brand new creation. The old is gone, literally buried in the ground, dead. So stop picking up that dead corpse that most of us leave outside that door when we come to church on Sunday. We leave it in our car, and as soon as we leave church, amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah, I felt touched. And we go and we pick up that corpse and we throw it over our body and we go back to our life. Stop picking up that corpse. Stop picking up that dead man, that dead woman. Stop picking up that old nature. That's not who you are anymore. Jesus took it on the cross. You don't have to struggle with it anymore. I'm gonna pray for you. Legacy. God's looking to do something through you that's gonna blow your mind. Jesus, we pray right now. God, we respond. This is a challenge, God. This is, this is a challenge. You're poking us in the chest. And God, I pray today that we would, we would respond to that challenge over the course of this next month that we would lean into every moment, that we would come with an anticipation believing that, that from the foundations of eternity that you had, you had seen us, you knew us, and that you had created us for such a time as this. God, I pray right now, if, if you're, we got our eyes closed, we're praying. If, just, if you're struggling with insecurity, I want you to just put your hand on your heart. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Father, I just, you, you, see, you see the people, you see the hearts, you see the challenges, Father. I pray right now Holy Spirit, that you would come and overshadow every single person that, is, that it has been, had been given anything that is a lie, not from you, Lord. And I pray for any word that has been spoken, every lie that has been told to their life, to their face, that has been spoken to their hearts. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and do a healing work inside of them. We come to replace the lies of the enemy with your truth. 
that we are loved, that we are good enough in you, that we have absolutely everything it takes for, for godliness and righteousness in you, that you have created us brand new when we came into relationship with you, Jesus. And we come against that. We bring healing. There's some people here right now today, you're going to have to make some phone calls to give forgiveness to people that have hurt you. And that's going to be the key that unlocks the healing that you're going to need. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be big. Somebody, I don't know who that is. I'm not going to make you identify yourself. But there's, there's some people you, you need, not tomorrow, not the next day, not next week. Today, you need to make a phone call. You need to forgive somebody. And you don't even need to worry about their response because it's not about their response. It's about you letting go. You letting it go, putting it in God's hands. And I'm telling you, some of y'all are going to experience some supernatural healings today when you, when you do that, take that step. Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.